Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good Night Show. It is Wednesday, May 27th, around 12 a.m., Rochelle, Illinois time, and I am glad that you are here. I am your host, Daniel Van Kirk, and I am joined by my producer, Noah Everhart. Noah, good night to you, buddy, and welcome to the show. Good night, Dan. I think I solved your riddle that you gave me oh, okay. last night. Yeah. Okay. Do you? How do you do it? So, okay. So, the just to recap, the riddle is you have two buckets, mm-hmm. a three-gallon bucket and a five-gallon bucket, right. and you need to have exactly four gallons. Exactly. So, yes. here's what you do. You take the five-gallon bucket, you fill that all the way up, you pour three gallons into the three-gallon bucket, fill the three-gallon bucket all the way up, so you're left with two gallons. Right. Then you dump out the three-gallon bucket, uh-huh. you pour the two gallons into the three-gallon bucket, then you fill up the five-gallon bucket all the way, then you top off the three-gallon bucket, which means you're going to get rid of one gallon, then you have four gallons Wait, left. hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, you, you okay, hold on. Yeah. You're saying you fill up the five... Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you pour that into the three until you until it's brimmed out. Yeah, and then you'll dump be left with three. You'll left you'll be left with two in the five. Mm-hmm. Then you dump out the three. Yep. And then what do you do with the two in the five? Now that you, you have pour, an empty three, you pour you pour those two into the three, and okay. so there's room for one more gallon in the three. Mm-hmm. Then you fill up the five gallon mm-hmm. all the way to the top, mm-hmm. and then you pour into the three-gallon bucket until that's brimmed out, and then you then you have four gallons in the five-gallon. You're correct. There's another nice. way to do it, too. What's the other way? The other way to do it is you... Well, I don't remember it right now. I was I thought about it right when you did it. There's another way to do it, but that is the exact right way. That is... The, that. Yes, you're correct. Good job, Noah. Thank you. Um, I don't Solving... Know if, I believe problems. that in the last 24 hours, you did not Google it. I believe in you. <laughs> I'm serious. I believe you. Uh, that's awesome. I love a good... I like riddles. I do too. I know. I might as well just move under a bridge and just like... You decide Maybe we should make the... that a part of the show. Riddles. <laughs> a riddle? Maybe yeah. we give people a riddle on Fridays for them to figure out over the weekend. Ooh, Some people would like hate that. us for it. Some people just hate <laughs> being challenged on any level, even if it's for yeah. fun. Um, hey, everybody. If you're listening to this show... I don't know what you're doing in two days, but I hope you can join me on Friday as I raise money to help Sean Harrington. You might have heard me talk about it um, since last week, since last Wednesday. It's been a week. Um, But I am doing this show on Friday. You can get tickets. All you have to do is donate any sort of money to help him in his pursuit to get a handicap accessible. I don't know if that's... I'm sorry if that's... uh, not the most uh, woke way to put an ADA accessible home. Uh, if that was offensive in any way, I hope you understand the source because I did not say it in a way to, to be like that. Um, but he is trying to make his home accessible for the parameters in which he can currently live. He was paralyzed while protecting his daughter from gunfire. And he's a person who does a lot of work in the Chicago community. And I hope you'll join me this Friday in helping Uh, raise money for him as I headline the show Comedy for the Assist, a fundraiser for Sean Harrington. I will be doing, I think, around like 20, 25 minutes of stand-up from my own home. So if nothing else, you might be able to, uh, I don't know, judge my wall art, but maybe you'll like my comedy. You can also be a part of this show. All you have to do is call 609-955. That's 609-644-4855. Or email thegoodnightpod at gmail.com. 
You could write up a little ad for your own business. I'd love to maybe promote what you're up to if you're somebody out there just trying to make your way being an entrepreneur, just write up a little ad that takes about 30 seconds to read. You can also send me positive stories or recommendations for things to read or watch. You could also ask me a sex and relationship advice question. Again, that's 609-955 or email thegoodnightpod at gmail.com. Well, it is Wednesday and every Wednesday we, um, we go through like uh, different stuff. What am I trying to say here? It rotates, right? So the first and third of every month, it is an interview. And the second and fourth of every month, it is a uh, either a back page or a mystery. And for the fourth week of May, the fourth Wednesday in May, we will be doing a mystery because that's how it lines up. Let's dig right in to this week's mystery on The Good Night Show. It's a good night show mystery edition. We're talking about the disappearance of the Thompson family. In 1996, an entire family vanished. The Thompson family of Chicago was last seen in early July of that year and then never seen again. While there is a strong theory about what happened, there are many questions that remain unanswered. Who was the Thompson family? Well, I'll tell you. It was Everett Thompson Sr. He was the husband and father. According to the Chicago Tribune, Everett was, quote, a caring husband and hardworking father, a Philadelphia, drink, native, and the second of six children of Herman and Earlene uh, Thompson. Thompson also played football and trombone in the school band at the Hampson Institute in Virginia. He earned a degree in marketing in 1978. While working for a steel manufacturing firm that brought him to Chicago to the Chicago area, he met Lydia White. They married in 1982 and settled in the city of Chicago. Eventually, Thompson gave up working for someone else and put to use a special talent, cooking. He opened his own restaurant, choosing a name with the same care he choosing a name with the same care he served up his baked pork chops with applesauce E.A. T and Company. That's the name of the place. The initial stood for his name, Everett Arthur Thompson. That's fun. Eat and Company, and it's his name. So, who else is in the family? Lydia Thompson, uh, formerly Lydia White. That's the wife and mother. There's Everett Thompson Jr., who was 10 years old at the time of the disappearance, and Andrew Thompson, who was eight years old. Also living in their house was Kenneth White. That'd be Lydia's brother. And he was released from prison in February 1996, where he completed a sentence for aggravated criminal sexual assault. He was also staying in the home rent-free. The Thompson family was unhappy about White's presence in the home, and Everett's side of the family referred to him as a freeloading house guest. Okay, so they went missing in 96, if I remember correctly. We'll dig into it a little bit more. Um, but that's why, so he was recently out of prison in 96. That would be the brother, Kenneth, while he's living with uh, Lydia, uh, Lydia and Everett. Okay. So on July 3rd, 1996, about four months after, um, uh, what's his name? Kenneth White moved in. Lydia called 911 to report that her brother Kenneth had threatened to kill her with an axe. I think I already have a theory about what happened to this family. Police responded to the scene, but the dispute had died down, no pun intended, by the time they arrived and they left without making any arrests. On July 5th, Everett's father, Herman, called him at work. Their conversation was normal, but in the middle of it, 
Lydia called her husband frantic and begged him to come home immediately. She said Kenneth had chased her around the house with an axe. Okay, that's the second time. And she'd knocked or she'd locked herself in the bedroom. Everett told his father about what had happened, ended their conversation, so I'm guessing these are early days of call waiting, and left the restaurant. One of his employees was the last person to see him. Two hours later, White arrived at Everett's restaurant, that'd be EAT and company, driving Everett's van. He told the manager that Everett had been arrested after a car accident and then left. White was wearing white sneakers and the manager noticed red smears on them. I still have a theory about what happened here. On July 17th, 1996, Everett's parents, who lived out of state, that's Lydia's parents, requested a welfare check on the family as they'd not heard from any of them since the phone call on July 5th with Lydia. Police arrived at the home to find Kenneth White alone in the home, claiming his sister and her family took an impromptu trip to Philadelphia mm -hmm, to visit Everett's folks. The van was missing, so the police had no reason to suspect Kenneth's story and left without further investigation. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I believe that people can make mistakes and go to jail. There's a lot of people in jail who committed a crime. And then there's a whole other population of people in jail who are criminals. So, and by that, I mean, they are just going to break the law. That is how they are wired. That is what their priority uh, system they live by. So I am not saying that just because Kevin Kenneth White was in jail that he's a bad person. But being that he did go to jail for a violent offense and... You already had a domestic call on them that same month, literally two weeks earlier. I don't think you need to leave without any further investigation. Yeah. That's just my first. Also, you know what they say a lot of time? Like, you know what? Uh, I don't, I'm hesitant to say good parents, but I, let me say, let me put it this way. In my experience, uh, some good parents have a saying, trust but verify. Some good mm -hmm. businessmen and women, business people have a saying, trust but verify. I live by the saying, trust but verify. As in, I believe you, but I will feel the circle will be complete when I know for myself. Yes. And I am not checking up because I don't believe you. I'm checking up to confirm my belief in you and you because you don't know something until you know it otherwise you believe it now there are a lot of times where belief is good enough you have to believe your mechanic and that's just how we work okay you have to believe your dentist and that's just how we get through you hope that you're not getting ripped off but you can always get a second opinion and verify. sure yeah yes that's you a way to trust and, but then you're gonna verify. have to believe that other person too sure Sure. But but it does give you a brings you a little bit closer to verification. So any cop that doesn't live by trust but verify, I'm gonna just say just on that alone, I don't know if you should be a cop. At least a detective. At least living by the motto protect and serve. I'm just gonna say. Over the next few weeks, Kenneth White told various versions of various 
versions of the impromptu vacation story to people, variously claiming that the Thompsons took a bus to Philadelphia, drink, and that they took a bus to Minneapolis, Minnesota, or that they went to Hawaii, probably not by bus. Kenneth White was driving the Thompsons' van when he was arrested for falsifying Lydia's signature on a check. How would he know she wouldn't find out about that? But the police didn't realize this contradicted his earlier statement to them. I love you, Chicago. But there has been too many times where it has not been easy to be proud of the Chicago Police Department. And I know that that does not represent every person wearing the uniform. But man, you if you're wearing that uniform, you should be more pissed than I am if you aren't one of these types of people. Let's take yeah, a quick You could break. also say that about any big city police force, too. I know. To be fair. I just... It's my it's my city. Uh, yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I will settle down and we will dig into what the hell could have happened to the Everett's. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about high noon hard seltzer made with real vodka and real juice because there's a lot of fake out there, but things just got real. High Noon Sun Sips are the easy drinking, great tasting, sun toasting, blue sky celebrating, memory making awesomeness in a can. Hard seltzers can be made from just about any mixture of soda water and alcohol. Some brands use malt liquors and sugar to flavor their drinks, but High Noon uses real vodka and real fruit juice for 100 calories of easy drinking, take anywhere deliciousness. High Noon Sun Sips are offered in four refreshing flavors, grapefruit, pineapple, black cherry, and watermelon, and the juice in each High Noon Sun Sip is real. They use a mix of juices to make each flavor, but everything comes from real fruit. High Noon Sun Sips come in packs of four and a variety 12 pack, and on their website, you can search for places near you to buy High Noon with their Where to Buy page. You can also check out your favorite grocery store, liquor store, or stay safe and practice distance socializing by checking with your preferred alcohol delivery service. High Noon is currently available in 32 states, but if they're not available where you are, contact them and see how they can help. So check out HighNoonSpirits.com and enjoy responsibly. High Noon Hard Seltzer. Things just got real. All right, here we go. Digging back in. So it's late July, 1996. The Bulls are starting out their second three-peat. Actually, they just won their fourth. Everett's parents were unable to contact him. That would be Kenneth. Oh, yeah, because you got to think about this. Lydia's parents are his parents. No, so this is Everett is the dad. Oh, why right? do I think that's their last name? I keep thinking oh, Everett's the their Thompsons. last name. Yeah, it's the Thompsons. Yeah. I'm a nut. Okay. okay. I know. I'm Everett trying. Everett is everybody. a last name, too. It feels so it's like a it. little confusing. It definitely yeah. is. Double last name having son of a bitch running off to <laughs> Philadelphia, Hawaii, and not taking his brother-in-law. He's a jerk. In late July of 1996, Everett's parents, that would be Everett Thompson's, were unable to contact him or the rest of the family and became very concerned. They traveled to Chicago and tried to find the family, investigating on their own and speaking to employees at EAT and company, but their efforts were unsuccessful. They asked the police to investigate further. The restaurant manager told the police about White's statement the day they last saw Everett, but there was no record of Everett getting arrested or being associated with the traffic accident. This guy's so dumb, Kenneth... <laughs> Whatever yeah. his name is, White. Kenneth White. He's so dumb that his first excuse for what happened bad to somebody was what happens to him. He was like, he got arrested. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> oh, I hate this guy. Authorities learned that in, even if he ends up being completely absolved of this, I still hate him. I'm on record. Authorities learned that in the Thompson's absence, Kenneth had forged Lydia's and his other sister's signatures on documents to sell their home. An inspector uh, visited the home before the sale was made and noticed that one toilet and bathtub had recently been painted red Mm -mm. and the kitchen floor had been torn out. These changes had been made sometime after the police visited the home on July 3rd as they had examined the house and the kitchen floor had been fine and there were no red bathroom fixtures. By the time the police uncovered the illegal sale, the new owners had already had the house gutted for renovation. Kenneth was interviewed several times about the disappearance of his sister and her family, but had no but they had no cause to arrest him, and he continued to deny any involvement. Well, if he says so, he moved to Gary, Indiana, because that's where you go when you do bad things after selling the house. In July 1997, FBI searched his trailer and found two blood-stained socks, one for a man and one for a boy. In November 1997, Kenneth was arrested for failing to register as a sex offender. I hate Kenneth. He was released but rearrested a month later for bank fraud. Man, he runs the spectrum. Related to forging Lydia's name on a check for $13,000. In a court hearing about the bank fraud, the prosecutors the prosecutor claimed that White, quote, axe murdered the Thompson family. The theory was that White wanted the Thompson home to himself and murdered his sister his sister and her husband and children in order to get it. On Christmas Day, that's that's sadder, 1997, White, oh, it's not. This is a great day. This is the greatest Christmas gift of all. <laughs> White hanged himself with a bed sheet in jail. Good riddance. He did not leave a note before his death. Uh, he did not reveal any possible information he may have concealed regarding the Thompson's cases. Investigators believe White probably, that should be in all caps, murdered the Thompsons on July 5th or 6th, but they never found enough evidence to charge him. Can't say they looked too hard. And searches of both White's home in Gary and the Thompson home in Chicago turned up no signs of human remains. The sources that we got for this story were the Charlie Project, uh, charlieproject.org, and do... What, what is it? Doe Network? Yes. Let me take that again. Our sources for this story were thecharlieproject.org and doenetwork.org. So, um, yeah, that is... Uh, I don't... Uh, <laughs> this guy killed those people, and I'm going to say it. I'm sorry if it offends anybody, but I am cool with the fact that he's dead because I think he earned it. Um I hope someday they find out what happened to the Thompsons, or I should say bring closure to the story because I think we already know. That was our uh, mystery. going to be honest. Didn't feel very mysterious, but a, uh, a, a sad tale, to say the least. Tonight's show is produced by Noah Everhart. It was engineered and mixed by Brendan Lynch-Solomon with production assistance from Ben Zyper and Lisa Rubin. A big thank you to Kim Fritz, who came across the story and researched the episode for us. Kim and her friends have a podcast coming out May 28th called Fetal Abduction. It's the stories of about 30 fetal abductions that have been reported in America. If you're into true crime, keep an eye out for that. She can be found at Kimberly Fritz on Twitter. 
The theme music for tonight's show was composed by Chad Bouchard, and the artwork was created by CM Dugan. You can check out more of his artwork at cmdugan.com. If you enjoyed tonight's show, you can get more content at patreon.com slash thegoodnightshow. There you can sign up for the Goodnight Show Weekend Edition, as well as exclusive weekly episodes of some of our favorite topics. Plus, you can get a super cut of this entire week's worth of shows, as well as access to the entire back catalog of the Hindsight Podcast. Three Patreon tiers are available, and the most comprehensive option is less than $10 a month. The Good Night Show is not part of any network, so all the proceeds go directly to the costs and people that keep this show on the air. Your support matters and is greatly appreciated. Thank you again for listening. I'm Daniel Van Kirk, and remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Good night. Good night.